I've heard this verse preached, taught, proclaimed, confessed, even positively confessed. Coming from sincere, worked-up preachers with a sweat on their brow. You ready? The words of Jesus. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. What could the Lord have meant with that brief word? We may be surprised. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today. Like me, many of you have read or spoken that scripture with full-throated conviction, with expectancy for unusual manifestations, miracles, and extraordinary signs and wonders, surely in your personal life, but perhaps also in an anointed gathering among the saints. But as they say, how's that all worked out for us? Now, listen, that's not to say there's not been remarkable miracles taking place all over the earth. But to take the verse at face value with full expectation, we're often positioned for some disappointment. Well, Mike Bickle, who leads the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, better known as IHOP Casey, he's been teaching a very rich series from John's Gospel. And as I've followed along, I got a a major wake-up on those greater works, the thing promised by Jesus. Might the Lord intend to disclose a major timing indicator here? We've talked frequently about the significant timing indicators we find in the Bible that, that speak directly to the Great Tribulation and the return of the Lord. And I believe the Holy Spirit is providing yet another here. In verse 20 of John chapter 14, listen to this carefully. At that day, Jesus says, you will know that I, Jesus, am in the Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Now, that's pretty direct. So what does that mean? What does this mean in the context of the greater works and its relevance to that day? Is this about having a more exceptional and relevant ministry? The next great man of faith and power. An internet or television ministry that reaches millions. No, no, no. I, I believe it points to something a little more mean and plain. A deep, intense relationship with Jesus Christ that brings you and me into a wisdom and understanding of the workings of the Spirit in the earth in this season. This end time period we're fast approaching, especially as we approach the birth pains that lead to the most intense 42 months in world history, the Great Tribulation. So all of that is to say this is about preparation. This is about coming into an intimacy with the Father that moves us away from all the contemporary categories of religion and cultural influence that are taking place in this rapidly changing 21st century world. A spiritual journey that burrows our souls into the width, the length, the depth, and the height of the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge and escorts us into the fullness of God himself, deep conversations with the Spirit. Jesus spent nights in prayer to commune with the Father, not to get power. That was not his objective. The, the exousia, the, the, the energy of the Holy Spirit was already in the depths of his being. But he wants to impart that same energy, anointing, in a full and unhindered expression of his partnership with us now 
in this time, in this season, as we move closer to his return. I don't know about you, but the greater works than these has always been a little difficult for me to grasp. But I also believe the time has arrived for us to encounter that astounding promise from the perspective of the final three and a half years of this age. I recently shared there'll be actually be more believers in Jesus on the earth at his return than those who preceded us into the heavenly presence. It's simply a matter of exponential growth in population. So the Lord's returning for a, a passionate, eager church when he returns. Millions, millions empowered to walk in the Spirit in a way never before encountered. Mature in his word, walking in unity and extraordinary faith. It'll be that bride, the bride of Christ, will be doing the works of Jesus, greater works, in the final hours of this age. For the marriage supper of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. The miracles Jesus has done throughout history are but a down payment for what he'll do at the end of the age. Bickle points out that the miracles of the generation of Moses in Egypt and the wilderness are, are, are a template for the end-time revival, that the miracles of Exodus and Acts will again be seen, this time on a global level. Listen to what the prophet Micah said in chapter 7 about that day. As in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt, I will show them wonders. The nations, the nations shall see and be ashamed of all their might. The military resources of the nations under the Antichrist will prove to be no match, no match for the returning of the Lord. As God made provision for the children of Israel throughout their 40-year journey in the wilderness, even so the Spirit of the Lord will again provide resources and they'll be right on time. A modern-day Goshen, if you will. Not to mention the Spirit of prophecy in the earth at that time, even before the day of the Lord. And combined with the miracles in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, listen to this. In the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Verse 19, I'll show wonders in heaven above and, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. When? before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. How about John in the book of Revelation, chapter 11? And I'll give power to my two witnesses, and they'll prophesy for 42 months. These have power over waters to turn them, turn them into blood and, and, and to strike the earth with all plagues. Personally, I find those words to point perhaps not only to the two witnesses, and their spectacular ministry in those final 42 months. But I also see a church walking in the anointing spoken of by Daniel. The people, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The two witnesses function in the streets of Jerusalem. Two individuals with a distinct localized assignment. Might there be something of a, a same anointing on much of the empowered church? accomplishing the promised greater works of John chapter 14? 
I believe we should have a much greater expectation for this coming time than previously considered throughout the centuries. Although Jesus appropriately describes the time period to the days of Noah, when they were eating and drinking and and marrying and giving in marriage, he also makes significant promises to his people in those days that although when the, the flood came and took them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Being taken away in the flood is not a good thing, folks. It's a bad thing. The end-time crisis will come like a flood and swiftly take people away to a place they would have not have gone. All the more to watch, pray, and prepare our hearts for that day. So let's pray. Father, we ask that we might not only awaken to our righteousness in Christ Jesus, oh, but Lord, that we awaken to our divine assignments as your day approaches. Now, Father, more than ever, begin to give us dreams and visions that clearly lead to to become the watchman on the walls with the distinct visions for our end-time assignments, visions for ministry that will clearly require we reject even, even many of the legitimate pleasures of life and give of ourselves wholeheartedly to the call and mandate on our lives. Lord, you marked us. You put the mark on us from from the very beginning. You chose us and you've kept us from before the foundation of the world for such a time as this. May we respond with joy and, Father, with gladness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Beloved, write the vision. Make it plain on the tablets that he may run who reads it? And Maranatha, I'm Bill Nordstrom.